It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation, and welcome to your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the only podcast that breaks down every game, news item, rumor, and more. Thank you for subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Himalaya. My name is David Rommel. I'm still here at the American Airlines Arena just minutes after the Heat wrapped up a 105-89 victory over the Milwaukee Bucks. Probably their signature win of the year. An incredible effort, particularly defensively. One that Jimmy Butler called the best defensive performance of the Heat this season. Fully engaged, keeping Milwaukee to under just under 21% from three-point range and just 40% overall from the field. It was a supreme effort, particularly in the fourth quarter when Miami finally started to pull away from the Bucks after what was mostly a back-and-forth game that Miami controlled uh, for most of it. They actually held the lead for a, a big part of the game if Milwaukee was able to creep back a little bit and get a point here or there to take the lead back. But Miami was mostly in control, a very fast-paced game, one that had an incredible playoff-like intensity. That was... Uh, certainly the vibe that I got from a, a, a very energized American Airlines Arena crowd that really recognized the fact that the Bucks at 52-8 and eight entered the game as the best team in, the, in, in not just the Eastern Conference, but also the NBA as far as their record is concerned. Miami now is the only team to beat the Bucks twice this season, and uh, they were clearly motivated now. Eric Spolster mentioned before the game that they weren't exactly looking to knock off the Bucks. that there wasn't any kind of specific agenda as far as trying to beat Milwaukee, but there's an extra energy level there, and it was pretty evident because of that overall effort level. I think there was just a phenomenal performance from them. And, and look, you got to give credit to Milwaukee. They were on the second night of a back-to-back. They had a very, very good performance, again, through three quarters, and they did a pretty good job defensively in Miami, too. They made some... They contested some shots there, made things difficult for Miami. Uh, no one performance there really stood out on the Heat. Uh, they didn't get any scores into top 20 points. Uh, Jimmy Butler led the team with 18, and he actually tied with Jay Crowder for 18 points as well. So I think Crowder's was probably the best performance on the Heat roster. Uh, 18 points on 6 of 10 shooting, 5 of 9 from the field. Uh, I'm sorry, 5 of 9 from three-point range. He was... Clearly the difference maker, he looked like his shot was just falling after the game. He didn't say that there was anything specific that, you know, his shot has been falling, obviously, since he joined Miami, but there wasn't anything specific about his shooting rhythm or anything like that, but just that it was a veteran team that knows how to get the ball to him in certain spots, and he clearly appreciates it, and he's taken advantage of this opportunity that he has with Miami. But the story of the game was... Again, Miami's defense to keep Milwaukee under you know 21% from three-point range was the huge difference there. Giannis Antetokounmpo struggled mightily from the field, 6 of 18 overall, just 13 points. He attempted four shots, mostly to test whether or not he had that kind of long range going. He did not miss all of his shots from beyond the arc. And Chris Middleton, the other all-star on this team, finished with 12 points as well, just 4 of 16 from the field, 2 of 10 from three-point range. 
not a very good shooting performance from anybody on the Bucks roster, with the exception of Brooke Lopez. He finished with 21 points. He was a big reason why Milwaukee was uh, able to score at the rim as, as easily as they did. They actually uh, scored 48 points, sorry, 46 points in the paint. A big part of that was Brooke Lopez taking up as much space and Giannis getting to the rim as easily as he did. But it was the perimeter shooting. And then even the Adekumpo didn't exactly get to the rim. He, he did have six field goals, but most of those were contested and not particularly easily gotten. So um, that was a, a huge thing for Miami was to be able to limit Giannis and, and to keep him from getting comfortable offensively. But they did a fantastic job on almost everybody else, too. I mean, there were some nice performances here and there uh, from Dante DiVincenzo. He finished with 11 points. He has he had some nice spurts there at moments. Uh, and again, George Hill finished with 12 points. He had a nice run as well. Some contributions overall. But to hold Milwaukee, the best team in the league, at 89 points, just a phenomenal overall effort. And Miami controlled the pace, one which was electric, very fast-paced, and they just dominated the game. As far as Miami's a performance, that's the small story of the game. They actually managed to score 49% of their three-point attempts, 18 of 37 overall, and that was the difference maker because uh, they actually outperformed uh, their, their perimeter shooting outperformed their, any type of scoring at the rim. Bam Adebayo struggled uh, to get to the rim. Brooke Lopez is a phenomenal defender, a defensive candidate, uh, sorry, defensive player of the year candidate. He's done a very good job blocking the shots and uh, just making things difficult. He's kind of redefined his career a little bit as not just a floor spacer, but also a guy who can play defense at a very high level. And he was making things very difficult for Adebayo, uh, who, who was clearly trying to get his shot over Brooke Lopez and that kind of incredible length that Lopez has. And he was kind of pulling up short on a number of shots there. just didn't seem like he was in a comfortable rhythm. And not till late in the game did he actually kind of become a little bit more aggressive in trying to get to the rim and, and, and just look for his shot a little bit more. He did finish with 13 rebounds and 5 assists, so a good overall game for him. So Adebayo also finished with 14 points on 5 of 16 shooting. And I, and I think it was just a supreme effort from Adebayo, particularly defensively. He was the key factor in limiting what Adedekumpo could do. The game started off with Derek Jones Jr. on Adedekumpo, and he did a pretty good job overall. They only played about seven and a half minutes in that first half, and then after picking up a, a quick foul, uh, Bam switched on to Giannis, and that was mostly the defensive matchup for the rest of the game was Giannis kind of taking over there. But and it was also a team effort. A number of switches here, Jay Crowder, Andre Iguodala, Jimmy, everybody had an opportunity there. And, and I think that was the, the key there is that, you know, we've seen Miami have to utilize zone pretty frequently because they just didn't have the personnel. But most of all, I think they, they just they had to do whatever they can to limit an opponent's. Against Milwaukee, they just did a phenomenal job of, of switching, uh, of, of realizing uh, that there was a number of different offensive options on Milwaukee side of the ball, and then they just utilized every one of their personnel to, to perfection. The Spolster did a fantastic job of getting the most out of their players to recognize where the matchups were coming and how to take advantage of those, and, and really, really good job overall from Miami. Not sure if there were any specific takeaways right now. It's all kind of fresh, uh, and I haven't really had a, a full moment to digest it all, but uh, Duncan Robinson didn't exactly have the kind of game that we would expected from him. They were looking to get him going so often. He was just coming off of multiple screens. And you do have to give Milwaukee credit because they did challenge every look that Duncan was getting. He was just working multiple, off multiple screens, trying to free himself, create space. Uh, you know, a lot of give-and-go type situations where, where 
Bam would hold the ball and, and at the shoulder and, and kind of just look to Duncan to kind of clear himself and get space. And they were denying him the ball, not getting him an open look. But he did connect on three of seven three-point shots, and they were huge. Those were very valuable points because they came at a point when they were helping Miami either establish or build on their lead. Um, and, and that was a big factor for, for Miami offensively. As, as you know, it's always been the case is that they've relied a lot on uh, Duncan Robinson. They didn't have to as much because of Crowder's outside shooting, but you know they also got some timely shooting from Goran Dragic, who finished with 15 points. Uh, Jimmy Butler had a very good night overall. He also connected on one of his three-point attempts. Only attempted one, but made it uh, and 7-14 to 14 overall, including some really big shots down the stretch there. So for somebody who's received some criticism, unwarranted criticism of late about his clutch performances. He actually had a very, very good close to the game, and, and that was a, a huge performance from the team overall. I think this is the takeaway there is it's just a very big win, and I think a lot of people were looking at this matchup, and despite the fact that it was a back-to-back for Milwaukee, it's a huge win for Miami to kind of establish themselves as a team that matches up very well with Milwaukee because of their length defensively. They have a number of players from Jimmy to, to Giannis, I'm sorry, Jimmy to Bam to Crowder to Iguodala who can all take their shots at defending Iguodala. That's not something that anybody else in the Eastern Conference has, maybe with the exception of Boston who has Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. But I, I think Miami matches up very well with Milwaukee and that's probably a, a preferable matchup if they were to meet in the playoffs. So that's something to look forward to. I'll answer more questions that you guys submitted about the game. You're listening to Locked On Heat. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So I apologize for the you know sound quality. I'm in a, a room here in the media office. You may have heard the copier going in the background there, so there's a lot of different things going on. I did want to try and get a show off as quickly as possible because I think, obviously, as huge a win as this, I know a lot of people were going to be looking forward to hearing my takes in the game and some overall thoughts, but I also did want to get to some of your questions. And this first one comes from Julie B. Rich, who asks, I don't know the numbers on this one, but it feels like the Heat is among the best in containing Giannis. Who would you most attribute in today's defensive success against him? Well, Julie, uh, like I said before in the first segment, Clearly, it was a group effort, just multiple switches there, um, picking up Giannis, making things difficult for him. Even if there was an initial defender, either Derek or Bam, so many people helped to try and, and limit Adetokounmpo's easy looks at the rim, uh, trying to get him you know, to either pass off the ball or force a turnover that way. They, just, they really challenged him consistently, and I think... Uh, that was a huge effort. So I think first and foremost, you do have to acknowledge that it was a group effort. But if you have to particularly look at one thing to that was the key for the, the defensive success against Giannis, I'd have to say it was Bam. He just did a phenomenal job of limiting him, moving so well. There was one particular time there where Giannis was on the baseline, and he seized up Bam, realized he was in front of him, 
and just try to drive the baseline against Bam. Bam uses size and speed to perfection. He just moves his feet so well. Uses one of the few players in the league strong enough, I think, to at least challenge Giannis on an effective level. You know, he he actually just moved his body very well, kept his hands up the whole time so he wouldn't get called for a ticky-tack foul. And Adetokounmpo wound up stepping out of bounds because he just didn't have the kind of space to go. He didn't have the strength to go against Bam and move him out of position as he so easily does uh, on a nightly basis. And and so I think um, that's just that's just what makes Bam the unique player that he is is because of his defensive presence, the fact that he has this combination of speed and power. Uh, it just makes him a unique player in today's NBA and certainly one of the, the keys for Miami's defense and, and tonight in particular against Giannis. Joshua writes, does this being the Bucks' second night of a back-to-back on the road detract from the win? Like I mentioned earlier also, I just I don't see it. I, I mean, these games happen. I know Bucks fans will look at it and say, well, it was a second night of back-to-back. Similarly to what Miami has done when they face the Celtics. They've lost to the Celtics twice this year, um, both nights on second, uh, on second nights of back-to-back sets. And so I think... You look for excuses whenever possible, and uh, I also think that Miami just matches up very well with uh, the Bucks. I think this was just a good matchup for them, and they, they know they have the personnel to limit what Adetokounmpo can do, um, one of the few teams that does, and they were able to key in on a number of other players, and so they gave up points in the paint to, to Brook Lopez, but I, I think that's a, a pretty good sacrifice considering what you're able to do as far as limiting Adetokounmpo and limiting what Middleton can do, and so... Um, yes, it's going to take some of the shine off, and I know that Milwaukee Bucks fans will will look towards the fact that it was a second night of back-to-back as a reason, not necessarily as an excuse for why they were uh, overmatched against Miami. That's okay. I mean, it happens. I, I still think that ultimately Miami is a team that can challenge Milwaukee in a playoff setting. It's not to say that Miami is necessarily better, but they have a good matchup. And, and look, I think you have to say that the regular season regular season wins don't matter much. Uh, you can go back to the big three era when the Indiana Pacers uh, always or seem to always challenge Miami during the regular season and they had a, a clear advantage as far as the regular season record and then what happened in the playoffs didn't matter. Uh, there are just teams that match up well and, and the playoffs are a different animal together particularly because you have the kind of experienced players and I think if there is a factor in Miami's favor, it is the fact that they have these kinds of experienced players. They have Goran Dragic, they have Jimmy Butler, they have Andre Iguodala, who's been to the finals so many times. You know, even Crowder, you know, his limited playoff experience. That just on and on and on. They have so many different players that can contribute to understand what's at stake there, and I think that is a factor in Miami's favor, along with everything else that they have too. So, I, I you know, you don't. You don't want to focus too much on the regular season record, but at the same time, I think it is a good indication of what works well, and then you hope that you can try and find a reason. There is a great level of respect between both coaches. Mike Budenholzer of the Milwaukee Bucks and Eric Spolstra spoke glowingly of each other and the fact that they have, that they're both underrated and underappreciated, that they both are uh, among the tops in the game as far as strategy and, and just coming up with different things, that new wrinkles in an offense. And Spolstra talked about Budenholzer's success in Atlanta and, of course, now in, in Milwaukee. And so... Um, I think you have to take that in consideration. Now, Budenholzer has been criticized for his playoff performances in the past because he's a little bit strict as far as rotations are concerned, and that was a problem, especially last year. So you wonder whether or not he's going to make any kind of adjustments this season. But that's neither here nor there. Tonight is all about 
the success of Miami's win against Milwaukee and the fact that they were able to, to play such a great effort there. And I think uh, you look to this game and the game earlier in the season as successes, but not necessarily indicators that you are able to dominate the Milwaukee Bucks. Nick writes, following this second win against the Bucks, the Toronto game and the 3-1 and Philly series, I guess that's the way the record currently during the regular season is they have a 3-1 edge over Philadelphia. What's it going to take for the Heat to credibly be able to get past the Celtics? I can see us having a chance of beating all previous teams in the series, but the Celtics are tough. Well, I mean, again, regular season, uh, you don't know what's going to happen in the postseason. I, I think there are matchups there that uh, Boston can nominate. I think in Boston's favor is the Kemba Walker factor, the fact that as a small guard that uses the pick and roll so effectively that can get his shot off so quickly and easily. Look, we saw Seth Curry burning Miami for 37 points against the Dallas Mavericks the other night, and I think he is just that type of player. If you have a small, quick guard who can get his points off quickly the way Kemba can, that is a, a matchup nightmare for Miami. And so I think that's that's an issue because you, you don't have a lockdown defender as far as your point guard's position is concerned. You have either Kendrick Nunn or Goran Dragic, um, and, and, you know, they can both be exploited defensively. And I look, George Hill had a good night. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo had a good night for Milwaukee tonight. And I, I think those are indica- indicative of the fact that Miami's defense at the point guard position is a little lackluster. That's not to say that maybe Eric Spolster could find a new wrinkle there now that you have the kind of personnel that you do on the perimeter. Um, you know, it would have been nice to have a player like uh, Justice Winslow, who was capable of guarding point guards. We saw him lock up uh, Kyle Lowry in that overtime win over Toronto earlier in the season. And so uh, I, I think that, that you know, it's clearly he would have been a factor in a playoff series against Boston. But, uh, you know, you don't have him anymore. You have you know, Andre Guadal, you have Jay Crowder, you have Bam Adebayo, you have different options there. Um, and, and I think that might be something that you'll see, is that you'll see a couple of guys trying different things to, to make life difficult for Kemba in a playoff series if they were to match up against them. So you don't know what's going to happen from here to there. I mean, there's so much that can happen, so much that could change. And right now, um, it looks like Miami's on a collision course with the Philadelphia 76ers as a fifth seed in the Eastern Conference standings. And given their injury issues and everything else that's impacting their locker room chemistry and things of that sort, um, I think Miami would have an edge in that series. But uh, who knows what it'll play, how it will play out. Maybe Boston eliminates Toronto. Maybe Toronto eliminates Boston by the time Miami gets to them. So... Uh, different things could happen here and there, and right now Miami's focused on one game at a time, and you don't want to get too high, too low, and, and I think that's that's something else that we should consider, and I'll talk about that in the next segment because you're listening to Locked on Heat. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Remember to listen to and subscribe to new and archived episodes of Locked On Heat on Himalaya as well as on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you're on iTunes, please leave a rating and review, especially if it's a good one. You know, something that kind of bugs me a little bit, I just want to address it here in this third segment, it was that, you know, just a few weeks ago, uh, there was a a very 
dire sense about this team. And, and I mentioned this recently, and something that Eric Spolster has brought up a number of times, is that a shot here and there and the story about those losses just changes completely. You know, the fact that they've given up big leads to Cleveland and Minnesota, um, you know, Atlanta, et cetera. Sure, those are bad losses. They, they kind of stick in your craw a little bit. They bother you as a fan. But, you know, the fact is this is still the same team. They're playing a little bit better. Tonight was indicative of, I think, their very best defensive effort. Um, but I think the, the issues are still there. I think you still have concerns about what Miami does defensively. Uh, you know, Rob Mahoney of The Ringer wrote a pretty detailed piece going into what Miami's defensive struggles were, uh, the fact that, you know, Duncan and other players on this roster can get exploited defensively. And, and so, um, you know, I, it's, I, I feel like I'm watering down, I'm raining down on, on everybody's parade here, but I don't feel like you can get too high or too low about this team because I don't think they I don't think they were as bad as everybody thought they were two weeks ago. I don't think that they're, uh, you know, obviously the favorite to win the Eastern Conference just yet. They are a very good team. They play very well. When everything is engaged defensively, they are one of the top teams in the conference. And I think that's fair. I, I mean, I think that's as realistic as you can get. And I think those are pretty normal and realistic standards to hold its team by, is that they can be a threat in the Eastern Conference standings. Um, you know, right now, because of those ridiculous losses spread here throughout the season, they're the fourth best team in the standings. But uh, they could be a top two or three team if things break right. Seems a little unlikely, but... You know, Miami's also been without some key personnel, and Myers Leonard, Tyler here, both of them were not available tonight as well. So this is a good version of the team. It was a great individual win. I don't think it's nearly indicative of anything that Miami is, again, the best team in the Eastern Conference. I, you know, I, I hate to do it because I feel like I am the, the party pooper here, just kind of ruining everything after a big win. It's a fun win. It really is. But I don't think this team was as bad as everybody was saying a couple weeks ago, nor do I think that they are, again, the favorite to win the East based on one win in Milwaukee in March on the second night of a back-to-back. Anyway, um, you know, that's my two cents. As far as the key performances of the game, you know, if you had to give it to anybody, again, I think Jay Crowder did a phenomenal job offensively. He just continues to be a spark plug offensively. Uh, you know, his, his ability to score from the perimeter – uh, to make big shots, uh, Anthony Chang, you know, pointed out that that he continues to get draw a foul from the free throw line on, on a three point attempt. Uh, I mean, sorry, to, to draw a foul from the three point line, um, and he just continues to do that every game. It seems like he, he just shoots a three and, and winds up drawing a foul. Maybe he's overselling the contact a little bit, but he's doing a phenomenal job of it, and it's worked. Um, you know, I don't know that you can continue to count on Jay to be that kind of a scorer on a nightly basis, but. On a night like tonight, the team thrived, and they were looking to him uh, maybe a little bit too much. There were possessions there where you could see the extra pass being made and and not taking an open mid-range shot because you saw Jay on the perimeter. Um, You know, I think those were things that you you might want to – it probably would have been best served if by, you know, taking the shot and being a little bit more aggressive that way, particularly Bam passing up open looks in, in the painted area. But uh, a great night from Jay overall, and he helped Miami secure a victory. And he was one of the players that was able to do a fairly good job limiting what Chris Middleton and, and Giannis Antetokounmpo could do offensively. No player struggled. I, I don't think. I don't think you really, uh, you know, look at any player and say that they had a bad night. Uh, Iguodala didn't have a great night offensively. He only took two attempts. 
uh, from the field and made one of those, but he also had three rebounds and two assists. He was pushing the ball up court, uh, initiating offense. You know, he had a, a turnover, but overall, I'd say between his offense, his rebounding, and his just overall level of play, I, I think he did a phenomenal job out there. So the, no, no performance stood out egregiously, and there was no one particular player that had a very bad night. Um, Derek was the player that played least, I think, with 18 minutes. Kelly, I'm sorry, Kelly Olenek actually only played 11 minutes because he got into early foul trouble there, picked up his fifth foul um, late in the game and, and uh, did not return to the floor after that. But he actually looked really good, I, I have to say. And this is, you know, similar to what I just said about the team, not, you know, not being too high or too low on the team. I think, you know, a lot of people wanted to trash Olenek a couple of weeks ago. He was a garbage player, that he's the worst player on this team, that just get him off my screen, et cetera. Now you see him tonight, and he's hitting step-back threes. I mean, he crossed over on, on Brooke Lopez and, and just humiliated, again, a defensive player of the year candidate. And, and I think, um, you know, you're seeing another level from Kelly. He just looks confident on the perimeter. He was 3 of 3 from three-point range, hit both of his free throws. I mean, phenomenal. If you look at his per 36 offense, I mean, considering he played 11 minutes and scored 11 points, that's pretty good. If he had been in there for 30 minutes, I don't know that he would have had a 30-point game. But he was very effective in his minutes, looking to get his shot off aggressively, and he just did a phenomenal job. So uh, just really great performance overall. Relish it because it was a big win. Miami has the day off, I think. Uh, Eric Spolster said the team was going to practice on Tuesday, but I don't think they'll actually do so after a big win like this. And then they host the Orlando Magic on Wednesday for the fifth game of their five-game road trip. I mean, home trip stand. So um, we'll see if Miami can continue this level of energy. They've had three really big wins in a row after that uh, Minnesota Timberwolves loss last week. And uh, obviously Orlando is a team that has challenged them in the past. And if they can continue to find a way to keep the same energy, particularly defensively, it'll probably lead to another Miami win. Stay tuned for that. I'll have a, a podcast up tomorrow. Um, uh, mailbag episode probably finishing up some of the questions that you all sent in earlier this week and last week but I'll also have a recap following that magic game that's it for today however you can connect with me on twitter using the hashtag askLLP or email me at lockedonheat at email.com I'm David O'Mail signing off and thanking you as always for your support yeah! Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.